What changes have you seen in the last five years? Maybe you've been listening to this podcast since the beginning, when we started five years ago. Welcome to episode 227 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Susan, Stacy, and Tammy. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Susan, Stacy, and Tammy, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps a few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. The first episode of The Recovery Show was posted to the internet on December 10th, 2012. It's pretty hard for me to believe that we are now five years and 227 episodes in. And so I thought I'd pause and ask, what has five years of podcasting meant to me? What has it meant to my recovery? What has it meant to you? I thought I'd start with a little little bit of history. So if I go back six years, I didn't really know what a podcast was. I knew that I could get delayed rebroadcasts of my favorite NPR shows as something called podcast from iTunes. I could upload them to my iPod and then I could listen to them in the car or wherever. That was all I knew about podcasts then. I think the first time I heard about a personal podcast and in particular a recovery podcast was from my friend Mark who produces the podcast Recovered, which you can listen to at recoveredcast.com. It's an AA recovery-focused podcast, but he talks about a lot of just recovery stuff that I feel is totally relevant to me as well. I heard about it actually in his open talk that he invited me to after I had asked him to be my sponsor in Al-Anon. He mentioned doing this podcast, and he mentioned how he had connected with people all across the country, and how it really had helped his recovery. He asked me if I wanted to be a guest on his podcast, and I said, well, I have to think about that. I was concerned about, you know, putting my voice out there, anonymity, all that stuff. Eventually, I said yes. I think it was a couple of months. And I really enjoyed the experience, sitting with Mark and another guest or two sometimes, and talking about recovery. We started to get emails from listeners saying, what is this al stuff? I don't, you know, when Spencer talks, I don't get it. I don't understand what he's saying. And so I said to Mark, well, we should do an episode about al Seemed like a, you know, logical idea. One episode, that's all you need, right? And he said, you should do a whole podcast about al I was like, what, me? What, me? But the idea stuck in my head, and I was talking to friends at meetings about it, and a couple of them said, yeah, that would be cool. That would be fun. I had sort of stuck my toe in the water a little bit. For a while, Mark had those of us who were guests take the topic of the week and go find somebody and just record a short interview or share about that topic on our phones. And then he would play them as part of the episode. And so I had a little bit of practice sort of talking to people about recovery topics and recording it. So we thought, sure, we'll give it a try. One day in early December 2012, and I really don't remember exactly what day it was. I think it was a weekend. I'm sure it was a weekend because we used a conference room at my workplace, and obviously we had to do that when it wasn't working hours. 
And we sat down and we recorded, a, I think it was about 20 minutes, talking about boundaries. And that's all it was. It was just a little conversation about boundaries. There was no introduction, no feedback. Obviously, it was first episode, no feedback. And we recorded it and we listened to it and we said, huh, okay, what the heck? Let's Let's post this. Let's put this guy up on the internet. And we called that pilot episode one. And the audio quality was not wonderful because it was just the three of us sitting around my computer using the built-in mic in the computer. So it's kind of a little bit uh, echoey and the voices aren't perfectly clear. I'm sure there's some noise in the background. But we weren't really concerned about that. We were just trying to see, could we do this thing? Could we have a conversation and record it and feel okay about it? And we did. And so we did a couple more episodes like that. And somewhere along in there, I think it was right around the end of the year, uh, I bought a mixer and a couple of microphones, and I already had a microphone, so that we could each have our own microphone and mix the voices together to get better audio quality, to reduce the echoiness, and so on. Our fourth episode, I think we had settled a little bit into the current format of discussion of a topic, some sharing about our week in recovery, and a feedback section, although I'm not sure we had any feedback yet at that point. And we decided episode four is good. We're not going to call it pilot anymore. We're going. That was with Kelly and Swetha, who I'm eminently grateful to for being there at the beginning of the podcast consistently for helping with topic selection, helping with question, thought questions, helping with the website, all kinds of help. During the next 11 months, we consistently had a format with three hosts or co-hosts discussing a topic. And then in October of 2012, Kelly and Swetha decided they couldn't continue with the podcast, that they needed to regroup, take care of their lives, and that the time and energy they were putting into the podcast wasn't, wasn't available to them anymore. This was sort of a shock to me. I did not see it coming. It, was, <laughs> it wasn't sort of a shock to me. It was a shock to me. I did not see it coming. And so episode 47, titled Changes, records my reaction to their decision. You know, I tried to draw on my program tools and move forward, say what's going to happen here, and I decided to continue with the podcast somehow. I really didn't know how. This was the very first episode I did all by myself. It was kind of scary. It was kind of weird, just talking to the wall, as it were, talking into the microphone with nobody else there because I had been in this conversational format for so long and that that was very comfortable, but talking by myself was not. And so I challenged myself to find co-hosts. I would ask friends at meetings or email them or text them and say, hey, would you like to be a co-host this weekend on this topic? And I always had one, sometimes two, for several more episodes, I think another 20 episodes almost. I started bringing in remote co-hosts, people who were not in my local community, started experimenting with recording an episode with a co-host by phone or by Skype. My first remote co-host was Ruth, who was from Germany. That was kind of a trip. It was a little tricky arranging times. It was a six-hour time difference between me and her, so if it was my early afternoon, it was her evening. But we did it, and Ruth recorded a number of episodes with me. She was with me for almost all of the episodes on the 12 traditions. And again, immense gratitude there for her consistently showing up 
for those episodes. That became more of a pattern. I found it found it easier somehow to get people who were not local to uh, to join me for episodes. I'm not sure exactly why. I think it has something to do with me, my my shyness, my reluctance to approach somebody in person and ask a favor. It's somehow easier to to email or to text for that. Although, as those of you who have offered to be co-hosts and I've never called you know, it's not always easy to do it by by email or or text either. And I appreciate those of you who have offered whether I've called you or not. My first solo episode was number 66 titled Codependency. I had to challenge myself here to do it differently, to to be different. I felt insufficient. I felt like we had something really going with the conversational format and that you didn't want to hear just my voice. And I got feedback from many of you over the next several years that you really liked the variety of formats, that you liked the solo episodes, you liked the conversational episodes. And I started to bring in on those weeks when I just didn't have time for one reason or another, maybe I was traveling, maybe I was really busy, started to bring in some open speaker recordings. And again, I got feedback from some of you that that you really liked those, even though I was feeling like I was kind of phoning it in when I did that. They have value. And because they have value, I continue to do them also because they have value to me sometimes. And they have value to me in many ways, not just that it's easier and quicker than recording a whole episode. I have struggled over the past five years with a number of things, and I have definitely used the tools of this program to help me with those struggles. I think the most, uh, the sort of continuous struggle is to be consistent, to be consistent in format. Although, as, as I discovered, having a variety of formats is good. To be consistent in schedule, my goal is to post a new episode of the podcast every week on Monday or Tuesday. And I make that goal pretty well. I don't always make it. I think this particular episode may be, may be later than that because of other activities in my life. I struggle with finding co-hosts. And I've talked about this a little earlier. A lot of that stems from just my reluctance to sort of put myself out there and to ask. Also procrastination. Mm-hmm. Still working on that procrastination thing. You know, I'll get to Monday. I'm like, okay, podcast done. Yay. Tuesday. Yeah. You know, it's almost a week till the next one. Wednesday, kind of just coasting. Thursday. Oh my God. Uh, got to record this weekend. I don't have a co-host. I don't have a topic. What am I going to do? Ah, and maybe I won't do anything about it on Tuesday. Right. And then it comes to Friday and maybe I contact somebody and they're like, Oh yeah, I could do it. And I'm like, Oh, thank goodness. Or, Oh, nope. Got to do a solo episode or, Oh my God, this weekend is so full. Uh, better go find an open talk that I can, you know, and, and it's just a struggle. And part of it is I think I want to be able to plan ahead further, you know, than, than I do. That's something to, I guess, think about for the next year, for the new year about how to plan better for the podcast so that I don't find myself in that, oh my God, it's Friday, what's going to happen thing. Anyway, so that that continues to be a struggle. I, I need to turn that over to my higher power and, and ask for help on it. I struggle with keeping track of topic ideas. I struggle with keeping track of offers to co-host. I try to have 
you know, like a spreadsheet with some topic ideas, a spreadsheet with people who've offered to co-host, but I don't keep it up to date consistently. And this is, this is a pattern in my life. Again, hmm, step six, seven might be helpful here. And I struggle with expectations. I have expectations of myself and I have expectations of what you expect of me. Sometimes I'm not able to meet those expectations. And I know that from what I've heard from y'all that I have higher expectations of me than I think most of you do. And I I need to just continue to remind myself of that. I have a lot of gratitudes for what, what the last five years of podcasting have given me. First, I'm grateful that Mark suggested that I do that, even though it seemed like such a crazy idea at the beginning. I am really grateful that Kelly and Swetha were consistent co-hosts and co-creators in the first year of the podcast. I don't think I could have gotten to the point where I could have kept going without that. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for all of you who write in and say how much the recovery show has helped you because that helps me to keep on going. And it helps me to find new material when you write in with a topic suggestion, when you write in with a question, when you write in and say, I'd love to co-host, I'd love to contribute. I'm grateful for all of you who have contributed your experience, strength, and hope to the show, whether it's by a short email, whether it's by leaving a voicemail, whether it's by recording a longer share and mailing it to me, or by being a co-host for one or more episodes. I am so grateful to those of you who have co-hosted and those who offered to co-host, even though I lost track of you. I'm grateful to Ruth and to Akila who were consistent co-hosts for the traditions and the concepts episodes that I recorded in the second and third year of the show. And if you're not familiar with the Al-Anon traditions or the Al-Anon concepts, I would encourage you to go listen to those episodes. Uh, I think if you search for tradition, a lot of those episodes will pop up. If you search for concept or concepts, same thing. Because we talked a lot about not only what do the traditions and the concepts mean for Al-Anon, but what do they mean for us in our personal lives? And I found those I found those episodes extremely helpful to my understanding of how to use those tools in my life. My recovery has, I think, really benefited and deepened in doing the podcast. And maybe that seems like it's probably obvious, but there are a number of ways that, that I can identify that, that doing the podcast has helped my recovery directly. I think the first of those is that for each episode, I have to do a deeper dive into that topic. I have to find readings. I have to think about what it means to me. I have to think of questions that might spark conversation with my co-host or that might help me to structure my monologue <laughs> if I'm doing it solo. And that gives me a deeper understanding of how those particular aspects of recovery or those particular problems that recovery helps me with, how that works. I have to move outside my comfort zone. I have to reach out to you. I have to put my voice out there week after week. I have to be vulnerable. I have to be vulnerable to whoever is listening. And sometimes that's hard. If I actually could see you, all of you who are listening not all at the same time, because that's how podcasts work, but all of you who listen, if I could see all of you, it would be overwhelming if I could see you all at once. But by thinking about how I'm talking to you, to one individual right now, as you're listening from your computer, as you're listening in your earbuds, 
then I can feel, okay, I'm just talking to you. I have to reach out. I have to ask for help. And I have to risk the no answer. I have to understand that when you say, hey, I'd like to help, you mean, hey, I'd like to help. And that I am not imposing on you when I call and say, would you like to participate? Would you like to help with this episode? I have to remember that. I have to ask you for the gift of your time. Another place where my recovery benefits is every week. I have to stop and I have to think back over the week. How have I practiced recovery in my life? How has recovery worked in my life? Because I tell you, most weeks, I tell you, what's what's been going on in my life with recovery? And that's sort of a step 10 activity. It's not exactly step 10, but there is definitely some inventory there. Sometimes I identify places where I was wrong and maybe I admitted it at the time or maybe I need to go back and admit it. I get to look at how I have used recovery, how my life has changed. I get to see that progress on a weekly basis. And that is important to keep my recovery alive. And what now? What now? Five years. Wow. Do I just keep on keeping on? Well, I have no plans to stop. I am committed to continuing the podcast for as long as I can. I hopefully have many more years on this earth. Am I going to keep on doing it the same way? I don't I don't have like significant reasons to change, but I'd like to hear from you. One of the things that I've thought about is does the week in recovery section get repetitive? Is it of value to you? Would you like to contribute with your shares about how recovery is working in your daily life? I noticed that Mark's recovered podcast has dropped that section in many of his episodes. Is it valuable? Should I keep doing it? Some some weeks I feel like, I don't know. So let me know. Let me know what you think. What would you like to see change? I do want to keep your feedback, your letters, your questions, your voicemails, because in my experience, multiple voices help me to find recovery better than a single voice. Of these sort of three episode formats, actually four, I guess now that I've done, There's the conversational format, which is how we started and sort of my default mode. I like having two or more voices talking about a particular topic. There's the solo episode like this one. There are the speaker, open speaker talks that, again, I've heard from many of you. You find those valuable. But what else could we do? Well, there is the fourth that I I just did recently, which is where I reached out and I asked for contributions and the parenting episode I think is is a good example of this where several of you sent in solo shares and I put together an episode with multiple voices uh, in sequence rather than in conversation and that is that's a format that I would love to be able to continue it I seem to need to plan it well enough ahead maybe a month or so ahead that people will have the time and hear my my call and and we'll call in and leave a share for for that kind of episode. The gratitude episode was another one. And thank you for all of you who contributed to that one. So what else what else can we do? In closing, it's just been an amazing 5 years. It really has. I have come to know many of you as much as I can when our 
sole medium of exchange is, is email or, or phone. Some of you have contributed so much to this show that I, I really can't express my gratitude. And I can hope that this show has helped your recovery as much as it has helped mine. And that for those of you who didn't really know whether you wanted or needed recovery, that maybe it has helped you to understand the answer to that question better. After a short break, we will continue with our lives in recovery, where we talk about how recovery works in our daily lives. I just pulled a few of my favorite songs from the past five years. This is really a random selection of songs that, you know, they just came to me. Um, and I said, okay, that one. The first one is called Drinking Problem. It's by Laurie McKenna. And in this song, she talks about the drinking problem in her life, which may not be what you think it is. It's, it's a great song, and it's got a lot of humor to it. So I recommend listening to it, which you can at therecovery.show slash 227 slash 227. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our lives this week, in our recovery this week. Oh, man, the last week I had a work conference in Las Vegas I flew out early Monday morning, got back late Thursday night. So basically four days in Las Vegas, which let me tell you is a loud, busy, hectic place. The conference was held at a large hotel casino. It was big enough that I did not need to leave the hotel for the whole day. They fed us breakfast. They fed us lunch. I would go out for dinner because the restaurants in the hotel were horrendously expensive. But in the course of a day, without even going outside, I would get 5,000 steps. Big place. The conference was good. It started early in the morning. It went into the evening. And I had to be deliberate about taking care of myself, about getting enough sleep, about not overeating too much. It's really difficult for me, presented with a buffet, presented with a reception with an endless supply of food and drink to not overeat. Um, I came back, weighed myself Friday morning. I had gained five pounds. As my wife said, a lot of that was probably water weight and it did go, some of it went off pretty quickly, but it was still like, okay, it's time for me to pay attention to my health again. I had been kind of putting that on the side for the last several months because of the busyness of work because of working long hours and not having time to go to the gym, which, eh, whatever. And so on Saturday, I went to a meeting, I met with a new sponsee, and then I went to the gym and I ran. And I went to the gym to run, even though it was a beautiful day outside, it was in the, what, 50s, I think, here, and sunny. I went to the gym because I could get on the treadmill and I could set a speed that was lower than the speed I had been running at when I was consistently running earlier in the year so that I would not wear myself out early. I had a time goal that I wanted to meet, and I knew that if I just went out on the street and ran, I would wear myself out in less than half of that time. And so it was a deliberate choice to, to set a pace, to moderate so that I would not overdo. And on Sunday and on Monday, my legs were sore, as it should be. Uh, but it felt good. It felt good to start getting back into the groove. I started, again, keeping track of what I eat. 
so keep track of what I eat. Exercise seems to be the formula that works for me to keep my weight in the range that I like. And we'll see how that goes. On Sunday, I went with the seventh graders that I teach at church. We went and stood outside a local grocery store to help gather money for a local charity that provides food to people in our area who don't have enough, who can't afford enough food for their family. This organization's been going for more than 20 years, and their goal in five days, I think, November 28th to December 3rd, I think that's five days, maybe six. I can't do the math in my head. Their goal was to raise enough money and donations of food to be able to provide one million meals to people in our in our county. We were there on the last day. They were very close to that one million. They were confident they were going to make it. But standing outside asking people to donate stretches us in a lot of ways. We were encouraging, obviously, the seventh grade youth to do this more than the adults. Some of them were pretty shy and some of them had pretty quiet voices. And we had to encourage them to speak up, to look at people and to ask for money. And you know what's funny is when a 12-year-old is asking you for money, it's a lot harder to say no than when a 60-year-old is asking you for money. I really have seen that. It was a nice day. It was, again, in the 40s, in the earlier part of our shift, it was sunny and I actually got hot. Um, but it felt good to be there. It felt good to do, to do something for other people with you know no return to me except goodwill. Diana sent in a share about feeling. Diana here talking about allowing yourself to feel versus running from pain. I myself have dealt with addiction in a couple of different areas. I've already spoken about trauma from my past. And people will say, well, why do you feel the need to talk about the past when the past is over and you're living in the present? Because the way that it works is when you've suffered incest, trauma, abuse, neglect, that leaves deficits and holes within your soul. And even though you've made choices and you're dealing with consequences going forward that might be positive or negative, the core of who you are was damaged out of that situation. And people with addiction, dealing with addiction, reach for the outside thing to make them feel okay. Reach for relationships, drugs, alcohol, sex, you name it. And the goal ultimately in recovery and therapy is to get to the place where you don't need anything to make you feel okay. Because it's like a well within that you feel okay in and of yourself. So I realized I ran and ran and ran from pain my whole life, and that contributed hugely to the addiction. And I'm realizing now my reaction, whether it's a trigger or a memory or a bad dream, I'll physically feel my heart pounding. Sometimes like I can't catch my breath and Sometimes like blood is rushing to my face and the first thought in my mind is I have to reach for an addiction. I have to fill up because I don't feel okay. Rather than saying, I'm going to let myself feel what my body needs to feel right now. And that for me right now is grieving. (sighs) I delayed it. I delayed the grief for 20 years. I ate over it, popped pills over it. And now to feel it is this huge event. It's like hard to feel. It takes work to feel because my first instinct is to not want to feel and to do anything in my power to not feel. 
taking life on life's terms, realizing that I can't control outcomes with my faith or hope or whatever, that ultimately the control and scope that we do have is a lot less, it's more limiting than we had initially imagined. And the way that life works is that we each are responsible choices and consequences individually. I think of this and imagine this is like my daughter who's six, her room was a wreck and I went in and cleaned it head to toe. Next day, wrecked again. Went in and cleaned it head to toe. Third day wrecked. At that point, I said, you need to clean your room. Imagine this is how God is with with us, and it's very exasperating to have somebody say, I made choices and I did things that caused my life to be broken. God, now fix me. Well, what are we doing? What are the choices and decisions we're making going forward? And this is where it can become a vicious cycle in that we reach for the thing that we think is going to make us feel better temporarily instead of just dealing with the whole picture and feeling the pain that goes along with whatever story we have. So it's like we're contributing to our own cycle of pain by deferring and delaying and pushing away the feelings. And it takes such strength sometimes to feel some of these feelings that that come about. And I do in that moment, I feel like it's going to break me. It's going to kill me. It's, that's too painful. It's too hard. And I allow myself to cry. Sometimes I'll, I'll scream, feel my face getting hot. And on the other side of it, I, I feel better when I handle it the right way, but it's, it's hard to handle it the right way. Cause you learn these patterns where you're reaching for the thing to feel instead of just allowing your, yourself to feel. Like it was never okay to feel back there, whether your parents told you that it wasn't okay or you were, you were told to sh. Maybe you felt like the love would be lifted if you felt it wasn't a safe place to feel. I don't know. Just shove and stuff and push. And we were meant to, to let it out. We were meant to feel. And I'm working. I'm working on not pushing away. I'm working on. Breathing through and asking God for help and, and allowing myself to grieve, giving myself that. Thanks for letting me share. Upcoming, we want to have one, two, maybe three more episodes about various aspects of parenting. I've been getting some shares from people about parenting in general, about parenting as the non-drinking parent in an alcoholic household, about parenting children who are alcoholics or addicts. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your experience, strength, and hope on this on these topics. Please share by sending an email. You can send an email to feedback at the recovery dot show. You can leave a voicemail at our voicemail number seven three four seven zero seven eight seven nine five. Be aware that that gives you a three minute limit, and if you want to talk for more than three minutes, you have to call back. You can leave voicemail directly on the website. There's a voicemail button on the website. That one limits you to a minute and a half at a time, but it lets you call from your computer in case you're maybe outside the U.S. and don't want to pay for the phone call. Also, you can record a voice memo on your smartphone and then email it. And that's really excellent form for longer shares um, and typically uh, gets better voice quality than calling the phone number also. All of these methods are described with the email address, the phone number, the voicemail button, the idea about recording on your smartphone. All of these are at therecovery.show slash contact. So if you can't remember the phone number, if you can't remember the email, therecovery.show slash contact. 
will give you all the information that you need about that. We would love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope or your questions about today's topic. What was the last five years of your recovery look like? Or any of our upcoming topics, and in particular, parenting. The various aspects of parenting. And we'll take another short break before we look at the mailbags. The second song that I picked for this episode is Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson. And this is a song about looking at yourself, about the ways in which maybe I have to change to be better, to do better. Uh, This was a song that we picked out fairly early on, probably when we were doing step four inventory. It's a good recovery song in my opinion. Get some emails and voicemails this week. Rick asked about ideas for daily recovery, and this is just sort of off the top of my head. First thing I would suggest is get one or more of our daily readers and read from them. Those can be very helpful. Um, And if you're struggling with something in particular, they have an index where you can go look up the word or the idea that you're struggling with and, and usually find some readings to help with that particular issue. Daily prayer is clearly recommended by the program. And if you struggle with, I don't know how to pray, well, you can start with the serenity prayer. That's always good. Uh, I have used the third step and seven step prayers from the AA big book. And the easiest way to find those if you don't have a big book, or if you're not exactly sure where they are in the book, is to just Google third step prayer. And there are a bunch of websites that have them. I put them in a note on my phone, and I could just pull up that note, and it would have third step prayer, seven step prayer. St. Francis Prayer, a couple others. And I could pick what what was valuable for me that day. Also, when I was first working on daily prayer and meditation, I borrowed a daily prayer book that was published by Hazelden from my wife. That was helpful. And a number of different forms of prayer. Some worked for me, some didn't work for me. But there there are sources of, of that sort of thing out there as well. Daily meditation is another recovery practice. And I have done this solo. I have done it with the help of an app. Uh, My friend Eric, who's been on the show a number of times, recommends the app Insight Timer, which is available for both iPhone and for Android, that has thousands of guided meditations of musical backgrounds for meditations and lets you see your progress. It keeps track of, you know, how much you meditate. Um, and also if you're into this sort of thing, you can see who else, how many people all around the world are meditating at the same time as you are. It's kind of interesting. Doing a gratitude list. Um, some people have a practice of doing daily gratitudes, whether it's one, a few, or as many as you can think of. You can do it in the morning. You can do it in the middle of the day. You can do it before you go to sleep at night, which I find helps me to sleep better. Share a gratitude with a friend by text. If you are struggling with maintaining a daily practice, making a commitment, maybe a mutual commitment with a friend that you will exchange gratitudes or other recovery thoughts on a daily basis can help. I know when I was first starting into regular exercise when I was in college, it was really, really helpful for me to have friends that we were all going to the same class that we could commit to each other, and there was that peer pressure. If I don't do this, they will know, so I have to do it. And that helps to establish the routine. So there's some ideas that I had. Anna left a voicemail. 
Hi, Spencer. This is Anna in Northern California, and I'm listening to your parenting episode. I'm a longtime listener. Love, love your podcast. And I was just giggling because I heard, I believe it's Emily. She said, don't argue with uh, alcoholics, toddlers, and terrorists. And I would add to that teenagers. I also appreciate the references to the traditions and the concepts. I'm currently working through the steps, traditions, and concepts in the Reaching for Personal Freedom book. We're doing, uh, we do step one, tradition one, concept one, and then rotate back through them. And I just absolutely love it. I'm often stumped by really profound simple concepts like trust. What what is trust? I don't know if you've done a um a podcast on trust, but I find that just a confounding kind of topic that that I would love to hear more sharing experience strength and hope on trust. I've recently been listening to Brene Brown's Braving the Wilderness and she has a great acronym for trust in the word braving, boundaries, reliability, accountability, vault, integrity, non-judgment, and generosity. And I think that's that's wonderful. I'd love to hear more sharing about trust. I think as an Al-Anon growing up in a dysfunctional family and being attracted to alcoholics, I have a sort of maladapted idea of what trust is. I trust the wrong people at the wrong time, and I don't trust myself and my higher power. And that's something that was illuminated for me through working the concepts. So just sharing that. Love your love your podcast. Thank you for your service. Have a great day. Thank you, Anna. Janice left a comment on the willingness episode, which was number 216, which is at the recovery.show slash 216. I am listening to the podcast on willingness. I heard the last part. A speaker mentioned a seven-minute meditation. How can I find this? It sounded awesome. I'm trying to meditate a little at a time, one day at a time. Thank you, Janice, a very grateful member of Al-Anon. And that was Eric who had mentioned it. And so I wrote to him and said, hey, do you remember what it was you were talking about when you mentioned it? And he actually had to go listen to the episode again to find it. And it's a piece of music that he uploaded to the Insight Timer app. It's called Forest Cathedrals. I will put a link to the webpage about it. What I find is when I go there and I click on the Listen Now button, it says, download the app. I'm like, okay. Um, so it's called Forest Cathedrals and it's in the Insight Timer app. And if you already have that, you can just search for Forest Cathedrals and find it. Pat left a voicemail for us. Hey, Spencer. This is Pat from the West Coast. I wanted to comment on something that uh, one of the guests from last week's show about parenting children when you've grown up in an alcoholic home yourself. Uh, and that's funny because they said, that when people say, oh, it's so great you're in Al-Anon with your young kids, they interpreted it to mean that the person thought that meant they would be able to prevent their children from becoming addicted or having becoming an alcoholic. And just to let them know that when I say that and have said it in the past on the show, 
what it means is they're so fortunate that they have a parent in the house that has the Al-Anon tools and principles to use in their parenting. And I did not grow up in an alcoholic home, but as the non-drinking parent in a household, it was something that I greatly regret is that I didn't find recovery until my children were out of the house. And it saddens me that I didn't have the tools and principles of the Al-Anon program to use as a parent because I know I would have been a far better parent, much more as a parent that I wish I had been and would like to have been uh, if I had had those tools to use at the time. So just thought I'd put out a little bit different point of view there. Thank you so much for all you do. Thank you for that episode. It's really terrific. And thank you to all your guests on that episode because it was just terrific to hear so many different voices. Uh, so I really appreciate everyone who called in and talked to you and wrote in. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Pat. And Leslie. Hi, my name is Leslie. I'm from Colorado. I just wanted to thank you so much, Spencer, for all the service that you do through the podcast. I have been listening mostly to uh, speakers, and today I realized that I'm right in the big middle of an Al-Anon slip, and what brought me to that realization was uh, scrolling through your past episodes and listening to the one on slips. And so I just want to thank you. Um, Higher Power definitely used, you used your program, used all of it to help me, help bring me out of denial and to bring me into that place of awareness. And now it's time for to sit in that acceptance place and then take the necessary action. In fact, I've already taken some necessary action, and it really is all because of the recovery show. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you, Leslie, for sharing with us. A recent iTunes review by Nelper titled, Keep Me Sane. This show is fantastic. The host's voice is calm and reassuring. The episodes are interesting and informative. Thanks for doing this podcast. iTunes reviews and ratings do help to keep us visible to people who are looking for recovery, looking for a recovery podcast. So thank you for those of you who do that. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show, but we do have expenses which run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Susan, Stacy, and Tammy did. Thank you again, Susan, Stacy, and Tammy, for your contributions. We have put together a list of recovery-related books. Click on the books link at the top of the page, and if you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. And there are also books that you can order directly from Al-Anon. We do not receive a commission on those. Al-Anon deserves the full amount. In fact, anything you order from Amazon after clicking on one of the links will help us. It costs you nothing extra and helps to keep us on the air. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it. Whether it's sharing the podcast with your friends, simply direct them to therecovery.show, or just listening, we are here for you. The last song that I picked is A Change Is Gonna Come by Sam Cooke, because that's what recovery is about, is that we can change. We can make our lives better. 
you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. We did not talk about a problem you are facing today. Feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you, one day at a time.